Well, I think, you know, working in Hollywood, I worked for the legendary Sam Goldwyn, um, who was a legendary producer. This is the son of Sam Goldwyn, so Sam Goldwyn Jr. And he said to me the best advice that his father ever gave him was stay in the game. So you're in Hollywood is a brutal game. And so it is so easy, easy to kind of step away. And I think I've just followed that life philosophy. So you, no matter what hits you, you might have to change your strategy, you might have to change your operational plan. But if you stay in the game, you will be profitable and be successful. And welcome to My Company Story. I'm your host, Don Berg. My Company Story is a podcast where I get to interview some of the most interesting business owners and CEOs about the challenges that they've faced and how they've overcome them. Enjoy the show. Hi, I'm here today with Dan Smith. Dan is the founder of Jimmy Case, and Jimmy Case is an iPhone accessory company. They handcraft iPhone cases in Los Angeles and ship them directly to customers around the world. Uh, Dan, welcome to My Company Story. Well, thanks. This is so much fun to be here. Already, Dan, let me tell a little bit more about what Jimmy Case is. It's the uh, the engine that drives Jimmy Case uh, and enables them to grow consistently without outside investment is a marketing method that Dan developed as an, a creative executive in Hollywood. Think of it as Playboy branding magic meets Wharton analytics rigor. Most online business focus on traffic and ad-centric metrics, where Jimmy Case uh, focuses almost exclusively on conversion rate and have developed methods to drive consistent conversion rate growth and grow profitably. How did I do on that, Dan? Did I get that pretty I well? I think you did a pretty good job. <laughs> all right, good. Well, I have to work on probably getting that in fewer words, but yeah, uh, that's all right. Well, fill in the blanks, tell our audience a little bit about, I mean, the size of the company, who they're listening to right here. Um, so we are, um, in our Jimmy K sales, we're a $2 million company. We manufacture our products by hand in Los Angeles. We were designed around... Uh, trying to grow or growing as a bootstrap. So not taking any money from anybody and using a small amount of money to launch the business and then using profits from the business to grow. Brilliant. So that's a very safe way of going. Yeah, that's great. Well, it's safe, but you know, you have that um, sort of, there, there's that push me, pull you of, I need to pull money out of the company to sort of, you know, cover expenses and maybe feed my children and, and our employees' children, and then also peel off money to grow. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a specific choice that one makes, I think, when launching a business these days where everybody, um, at least a couple of years ago or when I launched was, you know, how do you hockey stick? How do you grow like this? Yeah. And our attitude has always been, hey, if we can grow at 30% and push some money back to us and some money into marketing, it's a more logical and um, consistent sort of way to grow a business. Now, Dan, I got to ask you, you came out of the entertainment industry. I think you worked at Playboy prior to starting your own yeah. company. What was that like going from a, a well-established brand name, big company to then all of a sudden bootstrapping on your own? I mean, you're the, you, you're the guy now. I mean, how, what was that like? Well, I mean, it was really bootstrapped. I designed these iPhone wallet cases. They're sort of a unique product that we patented. I wrote the trademark, the patent, um, built a little factory in my garage, started making the cases and shipping the cases of myself, made the first thousand myself in my garage. And then we very quickly did a Kickstarter and then moved into a factory and luckily got other people um, manufacturing the products for me. Um, so it was definitively a bootstrap. And you know, I had spent probably 25 years of my career as an executive with big teams um, you know, sometimes hundreds of people producing shows for me and doing the marketing. 
So, um, and also sort of, I had a, at, at, the, at the end of Playboy, I had a, a real digital marketing team of 25 people that were running uh, this profitable digital marketing enterprise. And I just basically said, well, I'm gonna take these ideas that I had, and I'm gonna do it on my own. And now, I gotta ask started- you, why, why do that? I mean, why leave a nice job at Playboy with very attractive people all around you and everything mm-hmm. going on and great teams and everything like that to being in a factory in LA and, and on your own and doing that? What was that? You know, what, it's interesting. What were you thinking? You know, there's, there's this core question here because as I drive around in downtown LA um, and it can sometimes look brutal over the last five years, I always think back to, wow, these nice shiny buildings I used to work in, you know, with an elevator and a, and a deli on the first floor, you know, it was, there, there's a lifestyle to it. Um, but there's a number of things, you know, it's interesting, you know, when you get into manufacturing in Los Angeles, maybe it's like that everywhere, people are actually nice to you, yeah. you know, so I have moved from an environment um, where, which is Hollywood, which is, it's got a lot of glamour to it, but it is a, it is a brutal space. And it is kind of fun to work with people who are nice to you, where you can walk up to somebody and say, hey, I'm trying to do this thing here. Can you help me out? And they say, yeah, that's interesting. I'm going to help you out versus how am I going to compete with you? So that's been interesting. So that's been an interesting uh, sort of lifestyle change. I bet um, it has. I, I, I remember just a side note on this. When I was running my uh, printing company, Playboy was one of my customers. And I remember very clearly in my mind going to see you one day, seeing mm-hmm. the office in Beverly Hills. And I got parked in the parking garage, get in the elevator, and in walks this beautiful girl in a bikini mm-hmm. and high heels. And I'm thinking to myself, why am I working in this factory in LA where I could be working over here and seeing people living in this environment here? You flipped the script completely around where now you've come into the manufacturing area and work in there. And I got to agree with you. It's a, it's great people in manufacturing, great people in, in that space. Yeah. And, and it's a, it can be a brutal world in Hollywood. I know. Well, I think though, there was, there was this idea and it's a very nonlinear thought. You know, I, I came to this conclusion as I was working at Playboy and I was gener- creating all these websites that Playboy was making a lot of profits on that, although I was a creative executive, my core thing for 25 years in Hollywood was creating new TV shows or video products. And like, how do you create something that a million people are going to be dying to watch? And so in the end, you know, sort of, I realized that Hollywood executives really have to be their own CMOs, you know? there's never gonna be enough marketing dollars to get your idea out there. So your idea has to be designed, you know, for a TV show right. um, or a video product it has to be designed to be consumed, that it has to some, somehow market itself. And in the end, you know, I realized that I'm a CMO. I never had a marketing title in my jobs, but in the end, I am, I am a really good marketing storyteller. Right. So I realized I wanted to go on my own, but I didn't want to create a TV company. I didn't want to create a media company because I don't think they're, it's not easy to be profitable there. But I realized that people were spending a lot of money on iPhone cases and that right. Apple would be a driver of conversions for years to come. Sure. And so in this very nonlinear way, I said, I'm going to take my marketing skills and apply them in a way that basically there's this wind of money flowing to iPhone accessories, I'm going to put my sale up in front of that wind. I'm going to make a really good sale. It's going sure. to grab a lot of that money. That's brilliant. Yeah. And so that's basically what I did. So in the end, but in the end, I realized that I had to build this manufacturing company. Right, so right. building a marketing company has been sort of delayed as I, you know, I've been stuck, you know, sort of building something that I've had absolutely no idea how to do. I mean, I've never, 
I mean, I made TV shows, so I kind of, I, when, when you're a TV producer, you're very comfortable that you can do anything because basically right. every day you're walking in with a, an idea on a post-it note and then creating, you know, an entity based on that. So right. I was very confident that I could do whatever, uh, that I could do anything. Yeah. Um, and so it was a good preparation for that, but it has been five years building a manufacturing distribution operation so that I could, you know, effectively take that window money and put my sale in front of it. That's fantastic. And I love the analogy also about that. Dan, I got to ask you though, why, why uh, do set up a manufacturing just in time manufacturing in LA? Why not go to China? Like so many other people do. Why, why did you make that decision to manufacture uh, in the Los Angeles market as opposed to overseas? I think there's a couple of reasons, you know, we came up with this unique, or I came up with this unique patented idea for an iPhone wallet case that uses elastic. And, and we found a manufacturer in LA who is an elastic genius. And he sort of helped us design the product and he designed a custom-made elastic for us that um, uh, holds super tight. So it doesn't stretch out. So it can hold credit cards really well. And so we started making this product in LA and I looked, always looked at the idea because we have suppliers in China who provide us with components and conversations always lead to, why don't you make this thing here? And I think we came, I came down to the conclusion that given our size, given our volume, that I would not have the capabilities to manage quality manufacturing in China for a complex product. I think in China, if you, if they're already making something and you say to them, hey, make, this, make it for me in a, this different way, it's pretty easy. But if you need them to make something that's a little bit different, you really have to manage it. And I can run a, a marketing company and I can manage production in Los Angeles because I can drive down to the factory. Although now I can't because I can't walk into my factory because of COVID regulations. But um, I can manage a factory in Los Angeles pretty effectively. Yeah, um, yeah, with the team that I have. And so I've just made the choice um, to do that. And then also at a lot, this just-in-time manufacturing allows us to self-fund ourselves. So right. although I have to buy the bumpers, which can be tens of thousands of dollars a year to sort of preload with new iPhone models, everything else is relatively short lead time materials. So we don't sit on finished goods inventory. So if a customer wants a different model or wants a different color, we aren't stuck with the inventory because we're just taking our pre-prepared components at the time that a customer orders them and assembling them. So if you want to do a self-funded business and you can create a business where you are not paying for your, that, that you are assembling your product after you've been paid, then the finance components of growing a business become much less complex. I'll bet it does because all of a sudden you're getting paid. A customer says, I want it. I want this order in green. And so you go out and make it in green and send it to them. And, and you're not having a lot of green inventory sitting on a shelf that may or may never get sold or, or may get sold in months from now or years from now. So that, that yeah. makes a lot now of there, sense. There are problems with this. You know, we have a very dedicated manufacturing staff that is trained to do this kind of complex process. And the, uh, the sales are pretty cyclical. You know, right. we're basically, sales really take off in September when new iPhone models are released and then go through Christmas and January for holiday sales. And so if you're going to build a just-in-time manufacturing operation that's complex and you want to be adaptable to, uh, to sales, you know, to, to right, the different sales, sales cycles. 
Yeah. We yeah. have made a choice that we will sacrifice some sales. Like we are right now, I have still 800 orders from Christmas that we're probably going to get out in the next week and a half. Wow. We could probably do more sales in, and then also we were really affected by COVID because our manufacturing capabilities are, uh, because of safety regulations are limited right now. And, you know, we are doing everything we can to focus on safety first and profits later. Um, so we, we probably, um, you know, on the holidays, we might lose 15% of sales that we could make wow. if we um, had, you know, a deeper, uh, deeper manufacturing bench. But I think all in all for us, we'd much rather run this way. Sure. Because you can, you can maintain profitability and be around for the future. If you do run that way, as opposed to just saying yes to every order and then having to having to either become less profitable or, or, or go into the red. Tell me, Dan, let's, let's shift a little bit over to the challenges that you faced running a company like this. I mean, it sound, especially with COVID going on almost now a year, I mean, what were some of the challenges that you faced as a, uh, as a founder and running a, running a small manufacturing company in the Los Angeles market? What, what did you come up against and how did you overcome well, it? Well, we, we came up against, I, I can't remember whether it was February or March, but when after, a couple of weeks after COVID really hit at Los Angeles, we faced a sort of a, what do we call it? A cataclysmic event where we could really just not make our product because our factory got shut down. So uh, as COVID hit downtown Los Angeles, the county just basically shut everything down that wasn't considered essential. And so the guy who runs our factory for us said, okay, I'm gonna just take one line. You know, we have three production lines. I'm gonna take one line, I'm gonna put it in a truck, I'm gonna move it to my garage in Palmdale. And I will start to at least make some of these products so we can keep the business going a little bit. And then that was also, you know, sort of lined up with the time where sales really just dropped off. People didn't really need iPhone cases in March, uh, 2020 as aggressively as they might have normally needed them. Um, but our factory lead, um, said he, after he'd started making cases in his garage for a couple of weeks, or had a little, a little micro team in his garage for a couple of weeks, he said, you know, the city of LA is really needs masks and we sew our products. And the idea that we would start making masks, because we had thought about it, but I was like, I don't want to really be in the mask business. But he said, if we started making masks, we could reopen the factory. That's brilliant. So, That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. so we, um, the problem was, is you couldn't get fabric, okay? So like, basically everybody in LA was making masks. Luckily, this guy mentioned who is the elastics genius, I came to him and I said, I can't get fabric. And he gave me the name of a guy who was sort of like the Don of fabric in downtown Los Angeles and has this big building, impenetrable building. He said, call this guy, he'll get you fabric. And he got us really good quality. Um, I'll show you with this poplin fabric that's super soft, like men's shirting material. Oh yeah. And so we started making masks. Um, and um, because of, I think, our unique marketing infrastructure we've created, we were able to target our story to, our, to customers for a mask launch that worked particularly well. And so the masks really, we put them up and they took off. And so we went from approximately March, which was a dog to um, this flow of business that really rocketed us into third quarter um, and really took us through the, uh, you know, took us through the worst part of the COVID period. 
Yeah. Um, and allowed us to, when the government was basically giving money to everybody, sort of those, hey, listen, yeah, you've great. got pro the products that you need and you've got money. So, so uh, you, let's market. And that's, so, that's brilliant. So you uh, really pivoted into an, into a new product. I mean, out of, out of adversity, you, you realize, hey, we can't run our factory, but then the light goes off because, well, if we're an essential business, we can. Making masks is essential. Figured a way to do that. And then, and that just your sales took off during those period of time where the Jimmy case wasn't doing as well. Is that, is that, am I correct in understanding? That's that? true. But I think the real quarter of it was this. You know, as I mentioned, we're this marketing company that just started making iPhone cases because that was the first product to take out there. And the core methodology that I created way back producing American Gladiators and Playboy was this idea that I might be a real creative. I, I might consider myself to be a creative genius, but I don't have that many good ideas. But that our customers really are the driver of our businesses. And then if we really spend a lot of resources to understand our customers at a micro level and really build our business based on this idea that it's all about our customers, and not just as a marketing buzzword, but in reality, then you are a much more powerful marketing organization. And when we launch the mass, so this leads to the story. So every day we do a deep dive interview like this with at least one customer. Oh, and it's not okay. an interview that says, hey, tell me why you like this product. We, it starts with, tell me about yourself and what you're into. So how do you, so, so wait, let me back up a minute. So, so you're telling me that, that every day you'll reach out to some customer randomly and say, Hey, Don, I see that you went on uh, uh, Jimmy case and ordered uh, this new product from us. Can I talk to you for a minute and, and find out more about you and then, and then develop that. That's what you guys do then. Exactly. And wow. this is the key. What we have found is if you interview people, like basically we have customer reviews. And so like, I can look at thousands of reviews on my product and customers are going to tell us, oh, I really like your thing because it does X. Okay. Because it holds my product really well or whatever, but it's a, it's a very sort of top line sort of customer engagement. But what we found is if you really spend 15 minutes talking to somebody and really what you're doing is asking them about themselves. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're a tennis instructor in high school. That must be exciting. That must be interesting. Tell me more about that. What we have found is eventually people up and open up and they'll start telling you the truth. And some of them will give you some insight into your product and the way you market your product. And they're going to see something, you know, wow, I didn't think of that. Oh, I thought customers are doing this, but really they're doing this. So you, you'll learn from this tennis instructor that they may have bought one of your cases and they say, well, you know, it's wonderful. And I use it to, uh, uh, it doesn't slide when I set it down on the chair and it has, or it does slide. I wish it had more adhesive or something like that. You'll just hear more feedback from the customer and then adjust your product line accordingly from based on what you hear then. Is that? Yeah, it's really more the marketing, you know, sort of like what's the storytelling. And so this is how it applied in COVID. So we had these masks that we developed that really were very good because there was, we had this premium material that was handmade in Los Angeles. And so my marketing lead, who is a great guy who really runs all the website and all that customer engagement said, okay, we got to get to the factory and we got to get pictures of pictures and video of these people hand-making cases, uh, hand-making the, 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 the masks, hand-sewing them. And that will be a really interesting thing for our customers. And, you know, we're like, oh, how do we do that? We don't want to go in the factory. It's COVID. And luckily, we had, even though our revenue was down and our profits down, we kept doing customer interviews. And so we started looking at the customer interviews. And so I don't look at these customer interviews every day. I put them in a 
basically put them in a digital box and wait till I have 50 of them. And then I look at them as a group. Got and it. So I can get a sort of this sort of sense. Of right. A good sense of what the whole, what everyone is saying, not just one individual is saying. Exactly. And yeah. what we heard was, I'm tired of being at home. I really want to get out. You know, it's like I am yeah. cooped up at home. And so luckily, we live in Glendale, which is next to Eagle Rock, where one of our photographer lives, who has a beautiful wife and lots of beautiful friends. And, um, and it's this, Eagle Rock is this sort of really groovy, sort of prototypical place where you would want to take photos for a year 2020 marketing campaign. And so what we heard from our customers was, I want to get out. So we didn't take photos of the, of the mask getting made. We got photos of our photographer taking photos of his beautiful girlfriend running. Great. The sun coming up behind her head. Yep. yep. Rising Phoenix. Right. And so people wanted to get out. Was, it really resonated with people because this guy's outside and, and, and this is what's happening and people wanted that. That makes sense. Right. So we created this whole routine that was just mask on. Great. That was, that was the marketing message. Now, in reality, I mean, if you were a mar another marketing company, you might have 10 people who need to create that. Yeah. And we were just like, no, because we're in touch with our customers, we can take their, their ideas and wrap them into new marketing. That's, that's fantastic, Dan, great story. Um, I, I think you've got some great uh, stories that you've passed along to our audience here. Any parting words that you'd like to uh, pass along uh, as we wrap this up? Well, I think, you know, working in Hollywood, I worked for the legendary Sam Goldwyn, um, who was a legendary producer. This is the son of Sam Goldwyn, so Sam Goldwyn Jr. And he said to me the best advice that his father ever gave him was stay in the game. So you're in Hollywood is a brutal game. And so it is so easy, easy to kind of step away. And I think I've just followed that life philosophy. It's just you, no matter what hits you, you might have to change your strategy, you might have to change your operational plan. But if you stay in the game, you will be profitable and be successful. And so it's that sort of sort of old Hollywood message that you know drives me forward. That's great. It gives, gives me sort of comfort and sustenance. That, that's great advice to give to any entrepreneur listening to the show and, and really great to keep in mind forever. Well, we, we thank you so much for being on the show and we look forward to following your success. I'll put in the show notes uh, ways to get a hold of you along with your website. And uh, again, thanks very much for being part of this. Thank you so much, Don. This was a great time. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening to My Company Story. We have new episodes coming out every week, so please subscribe if you like this. And if you'd like to hear previous episodes, you can go to mycompanystory.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, if you or someone you know would be interested in coming on the show, please email me at don at Thanks for listening.